never seen the wonder. Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with theirs. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout. Look, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were out, when they went to buy it, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. And Jesus said, keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour the gospel of the Lord. And faithful thing to do with any good parable is to imagine where we fit into the narrative of the story. In the one about the prodigal son, for instance, we're supposed to wonder if we are the son who ran off with all of the father's money or Are we the older sibling who stayed at home, followed the rules, and pouted about the father's generosity? In another parable, we're supposed to wonder if we are the one sheep who got lost and separated from the fold, or if we're the part of the 99 who huddled safely with the rest of the flock. Are we the hardest working laborer in the vineyard? Or... Are we the ones who show up long after lunch and still get paid a full day's wage? Are we the priest, the Levite, or the good Samaritan in that story about the guy who gets beaten and abused and left for dead on the side of the road? You get the idea. And this morning is no different, though it does seem a bit harder to distinguish where we should look to find ourselves in this strange story of the ten bridesmaids. The more traditional, obvious interpretation of this one invite us to wonder about whether we'd find ourselves in league with the wise or the foolish. Are we wise, faithful, prepared with enough oil to keep our lamps lit and to be on time for the wedding banquet? Or are we foolish procrastinators running out of oil and running to the store for more of it just in time to miss the party? Isn't that what it seems on the face of it, this parable? Like someone is suggesting we keep awake, that we be prepared that we keep our lamps trimmed and burning, that we keep the faith, that we practice our piety, that we do all the right things, that when the bridegroom comes, who is clearly Jesus in this scenario, we will be welcomed finally into the party. 
But this interpretation requires us to wonder if Jesus is a jerk. Like the bridegroom, I mean, seems to be in this story. Like he's some sort of bouncer at the bar, checking IDs and deciding who gets in and who's kept out of the pearly gates of paradise, rather than the loving, generous, merciful, forgiving, gracious host that I've always been told to expect to meet me when the time comes. It's a nightmare to suggest that Jesus would leave us locked outside the kingdom's door saying very truly that he doesn't even know who we are. Think about it, though. Jesus promised earlier in this same gospel, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So that can't be the guy standing at the door this morning at the wedding, the guy who lets the first five wise ones in, that pretends not even to know the other late foolish bridesmaids who ran out of oil. This can't be the same Jesus who just two chapters earlier in this same gospel warned the scribes and the Pharisees, woe to you hypocrites, for you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. For you do not go in yourselves, and when others are going in, you stop them. Why would Jesus chastise gatekeepers and door lockers in one breath and then invite us to imagine him to be one of those in the very next breath? I don't think he would. I don't think that's what he's up to this morning with this parable. In a blog I read this week, a pastor named Michael Cray confirmed something that I have preached about before with this parable, something I've somehow believed and known all along. He just said it better than me. That it's fair and faithful to see this bridegroom as someone other than Jesus. That it's fair and faithful to see the bridegroom at the door in this parable, not as Jesus at all, but as Peter, Cephas, the rock on whom the church is built. And again, Michael Cray made it seem more obvious and concrete and faithful than I ever thought before. Remember the story about Peter? In this same gospel again, Matthew chapter 16, after Peter declares with great faith that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus says that he's right. And that because of his faith, his name going forward is going to be Cephas, which means rock. And that upon that rock, he would build God's church, that he would give him, Peter, the rock, the proverbial keys to the front door. I mean, the keys to the wedding banquet. I mean, the keys to the kingdom, right? Along with the power to bind and loose sins and ostensibly then to choose who's in and who's out, or who's wise and who's foolish, or who wins and who loses, and so on and so on. And if all that's true, 
If Peter is the one working the door, and if Peter represents the church with a capital C, and if we are the church, you and I, that's where we find ourselves in this parable, ultimately. And that leaves us to wonder some pretty big stuff. Not about how wise or how foolish we are like so many bridesmaids, but we're left to wonder instead how we manage the blessings of the kingdom we're called to share. Who are we keeping out and who are we welcoming in? Are we a place that plays host only to the wise and to the well-heeled? Only to those who have all the oil, if you will, all the resources, those who refuse to share with those the world would call foolish? Are we throwing a party for the wise bridesmaids who don't have time or space or grace or mercy enough for the less fortunate, for the less privileged, for the late or the less desirable or the lazy or whatever else the world encourages us to call those we don't deem worthy of God's fullness. If you prayed over the course of this weekend's 36-hour prayer vigil, or if you paid attention to the materials that we shared regarding this morning's Commitment Sunday, or if you've hopefully just been around here for a while, I hope you've received the message that we are trying to share our oil and the light of our proverbial lamps with the world around us in as many ways as we can manage it. Remember, we've transformed what used to be a building fund into what we now call a building and outreach fund ever since we paid off our mortgage a year or so ago. And that means we have plans to be prepared and to be ready, like so many wise bridesmaids, by saving some of our money for future expansion, by saving some of our money for maintenance and repairs as they come, And it also means we're committed to giving 50% of those offerings away outside of ourselves to the tune of $80,000 or so this year alone. For me, that's our way of saying this isn't all or only about us by any stretch, that we're always working to make room for more. That we're always being called to give outside of ourselves and that we are forever being challenged to open our doors and open our hands and open our hearts to whoever comes knocking. To whoever comes looking for the banquet of grace that we enjoy in this place on behalf of the world. Which brings me back to Peter and the challenging invitation it is to see ourselves in him as part of God's church in the world, manning the doors to the kingdom among us. Because the other evidence and justification we have for imagining that bridegroom in Jesus' story to be Peter is the last awful thing he says to the bridesmaids that he keeps locked outside of the wedding banquet. Do you remember what he told them? Very truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Peter did that another time, remember? Three, actually. When he denied Jesus 
on his way to the crucifixion. I do not know that man. The denial of the bridesmaids in the parable this morning is a foreshadowing of Peter's denial of Jesus himself. And it is a warning for us just the same that that is not who or how we're called to be God's church in this world. So may this parable be an invitation not just to be wise instead of foolish and be prepared at every turn, not just to store up and share our oil in faithful, responsible ways, not just to wait patiently and with hope for the coming of God's kingdom and indeed to see it alive and well among us. That's all good stuff. But may this parable be another invitation to look for Jesus himself in the outcast and the outsider among us, knocking at the door when we least expect it. And may it be an encouragement to do our best to be prepared with resources and with grace, with hospitality and with hope to welcome him into the feast that is his in the first place and that is ours to share always for the sake of the world until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream for all of God's children, just as it has been promised for you and for me. Amen.